Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire podcast. I have a very big announcement. My family and I, my younger two kids, and my wife and I are going to be joining Youth with the Mission as missionaries, and we're going to be leaving September the 27th. Um, uh, I've had people ask, uh, will the Kindling Fire continue? Yes, I plan to continue the podcast and the blogs and all the other things that I'm doing as best I can uh, as we are in training and then eventually going on to outreach. Um, if you would l- like to learn more about that adventure that my wife and I and family are taking, go to our website, Troy and Kathy with a K. TroyandKathy.com, or go to YouTube and subscribe to our Mangum Adventures channel. Okay, let's get to the podcast. And Doug and I were talking about, you know, the importance of just creating great products, just creating great films, exceptionally good films, whether or not they explicitly mention the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and he said, you know, Jack used to talk a lot about, you know, we don't need more Christian books. We need more Christians writing great books. And Doug, Doug applies that to his own work as a film. It's like, you know, yes, I'm a Christian, right? But, uh, you know, we need more Christians making excellent, winsome films that are winsome to Christians and non-Christians alike. Not more Christians just making uh, films for Christians by Christians that will only ever be seen by Christians. There's, and, you know... There's a place for those films, and lots of people are going to continue to go see those films. But if we want to be salt and light, if we want to be winsome uh, to a lost world on behalf of Jesus Christ, we got to first focus on just creating really amazing films and amazing books and amazing businesses uh, that people are attracted to. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have Jordan Rayner. He, you might have heard of him uh, from a fascinating book that's really taken off called Call to Create. So thanks for coming on the show, Jordan. Thanks for having me, Troy. So he is a serial entrepreneur, and currently you are the CEO of a tech startup called Threshold 360. And where's that located? Yeah, Threshold is based here in my hometown of Tampa, Florida. Awesome. And before the show, we were talking about how awesome Florida is, and Tampa particularly. So uh, you got some roots there, don't you? I do. Deep roots in Tampa. I'm a sixth-generation native. I've got uh, the seventh-generation sitting at home right now. It's a wonderful <laughs> place to live, wonderful place to build businesses. It's miserably hot in July. Um, but uh, we love it. We still love it. So um, I came across your book through a friend who really recommended it and actually was doing an entrepreneurial study at our church based on your book. 
and uh, he said, you really got to take a look at read of this. And, and my first take, uh, just because I read a lot of books and I talked to a lot of people was, okay, great. Here's another guy that's made it and wrote a book and said, be like me and follow your five steps. But I'm going to tell okay. you what, this book, it was so much more deep in the, the biblical truths and what you're representing than I expected. And I loved it. So I'm so glad to have you on the show. That's an incredibly high compliment. I appreciate that, Troy. <laughs> so, um, so let's start a little bit about, uh, for those that have not been exposed to Call to Create, tell us a little bit about uh, why you wrote it and a little bit about the community around it. Yeah, sure. Well, Call to Create at its core is a book that calls the church to create culture, to embrace entrepreneurship and creativity uh, as a means of revealing the character of the God that we serve, uh, the God that I call the first entrepreneur in the book, uh, and also embracing entrepreneurship and creativity as a means of loving others and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, and, you know, the book and the, and the kind of movement around the book really came out of my own personal story, my personal journey. So. Uh, you know, ever since I graduated Florida State University, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, I've been starting and selling a number of businesses over the last decade or so, I'm about 10 years out of school. Uh, and back around 2013, I'd exited uh, a business that we had sold off, uh, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I was pretty sure I was going to start another business, but around that time, I went to a church planting conference. Uh, at my at my at my church uh, here in Tampa, and my wife and I started to sense that maybe God was calling us to go plant a church in the Washington D.C. area. And so we started talking to some friends to get some godly counsel. And I was basically like, you know, listen, I think God has equipped me to be a talented entrepreneur. Maybe I should go apply those skills to planting a church. And almost unanimously, in several conversations, people told me, Jordan, if, if you know you're a gifted entrepreneur. Why in the world would you not just keep starting businesses and keep creating wealth and keep uh, creating jobs for other people and revealing the character of God, right? The creator of God. And uh, so that's what I did. And so you know, I've never really seen what it looked like to um, create as an entrepreneur, not as a means of accumulating fame and fortune for yourself, but as a means of service to others. And so I started seeking out stories of men and women who did live lives like that. And to the there's lots of stories of men and women who really view their creating as a calling from God and use that calling to, to reshape their frame of reference for everything that they do uh, in creating their businesses and their art and their ventures. And uh, so it was the stories of those 40 or so men and women uh, that eventually manifested itself into this book and it called The Great. Mm. And so right now, uh, I do know a little bit about that, but you also have like a community around this book. It's not just a mm -hmm. book out there in the ether. It's actually, uh, yeah. yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, when, when I was first starting to write the book, uh, you know, I, I, no one knows or cares about who in the world Jordan Rainer is. Uh, so I knew I had to build a, build a tribe around this thing. And my, my hypothesis was that there are lots of Christians out there who identify as entrepreneurs and or creatives, and they don't really have a place to come to, to, to coalesce and to organize and to encourage each other. Uh, so I started Instagram my phone. 
And at the time it was called at called to create. It's now my personal Instagram account at Jordan Rainer. Uh, and um, people just started flocking to this thing. Uh, and I kept hearing over and over again how you know, people were looking for other like-minded Christian entrepreneurs and creatives that they could connect with. So it kind of it took on a life of its own even before I started talking about the book explicitly or marketing the book. So it really became a community that was created to market a book, but it, was, it became a much more powerful community uh, before I even started marketing the book, which was really, really amazing to see. Uh, and so, you know, now Called the Great is, like you said, it's much more than the book. It's got a bunch of reading plans on your version. Uh, we've got a weekly uh, email devotional that people subscribe to uh, to get, you know, weekly encouragement as they create and build their businesses. We've done a number of all, uh, offline Called the Great meetups uh, in cities across the country. Uh, and so, you know, the Lord has really multiplied you know, mine and my team's feeble inputs many, many times more than what we could expect. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a wonderful blessing to be able to see that happen. That's awesome. So uh, just as a, a kudos to you, when I read this, the thought processes that are in your book about what is possible as a Christian, what, because uh, so many, I believe, the Christians I've met are very limited in their thinking of what's possible. I can be a pastor, or I can be a worker, or I can, and it's just like so limiting, right? Whereas God is mm-hmm. so creative, the possibilities are endless. I, I so appreciated it. I gave it to my adult kids and said, I will pay you to read this. Mm-hmm. I, will lit- I, I told them the amount of money I'd give them. I gave them the book and said, I will pay you because it will, they're in college now and it will help their mindset about what is possible. Instead of it being like, I go to college, I become an employee, end of the story. Oh, and I attend church a lot. You know, it's just like, that's it. You know, it's yeah. like there's more. Yeah. So anyway, so that, that being said, um, one of the things I loved that I pulled out in your book very quickly was you are not just um, kind of out from nowhere. You had a foundation of a father who yeah. was an entrepreneur and, and really integrated his faith into what he was doing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, I, I love my father so much. Um, I, I have to... I have the distinct blessing of being able to still have my father with me and, and still see him working. I also got some opportunity to, to be in the business with him and watch him build his business. Uh, so my dad's always been in food service. Uh, he's always sold, he calls himself a green bean salesman, although it's much more than that. Uh, <laughs> you know, he worked for the big guys, U.S. Food, Cisco, and at the time, their top salesperson in the southeastern United States. Uh, my dad's the best salesperson I've ever known in my life. Uh, and about 13 years ago, uh, he started his own venture. He started a food wholesale distributor uh, down here in Tampa. And you know, one of the first things he did was he asked me, who uh, I think I was in my early college years at that point, he asked me to, to craft a mission statement for his venture. Uh, and he wanted to make the name of Jesus Christ prominent in uh, that mission statement. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, you know, I typically, I'm typically very skeptical of people who make all of the T's in their, you know, name of their company crosses and put fishes all over their products or put the name of Jesus in their mission statement because uh, I, I think that's pretty much the extent of how most people integrate the gospel into their ventures. What I love about my father is he's really thought holistically about how the gospel should impact 
his business. It's not just uh, putting the words of Jesus in his mission statement. Uh, he thinks about how the gospel should impact uh, the way he treats his employees. He pays his employees far higher wages uh, than most of his competitors do or most other industries that hire the same kinds of jobs do. Uh, you know, he wants his employees well. He cares for his employees uh, and his customers even uh, beyond, you know, uh, just trying to make the sale. Uh, my father gives away an exorbitant amount of food to ministries all across the Tampa area. I, I, I never stop running into people who are running ministries who talk about you know, the impact that my dad and his business have had on bears. And obviously my dad doesn't tell these things. Uh, he'd probably be embarrassed if he heard that I was touting them on his behalf. <laughs> he really thought about himself as a missionary, right? He, he believes he is a full-time missionary, even though he's not supported by donors, even though he's not supported by a church. He runs a for-profit, healthy, growing venture. Uh, very well. It's a very solid business. Uh, but he sees himself as, as a full-time missionary. You, know, you mentioned your kids. Uh, obviously, I wrote Call to Create for people of all ages, and I, I'm thrilled to see that people from high school to their 80s are reading the book. It's wonderful. But I do have a special place in my heart for college students. Uh, and I, a part of the reason why I wrote Call to Create was because I wanted this book when I was in college. I wish somebody had told me uh, that regardless of what my vocation was, Jesus has commanded that I make disciples wherever I go, right? Well, regardless of what my job title is. Uh, and I think this is a conversation that needs to be had more and more in the church, that every single Christian is a quote-unquote full-time missionary, right, on this earth to make disciples as we go about our work, be that building a company or writing songs or being a doctor or writing walls or whatever it might be. Mm, that's that's so good. I'm going to give you a scripture. I want you to respond to it, okay? It's a short sure. one. It's 1 Peter 4.10, and it says, Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, how would you respond to that? I love that verse. I'm actually thinking about that verse a lot as I'm thinking about what I'm going to be writing next. Um, yeah, I mean, each of us has been entrusted with different, varying amounts of grace, varying, varying amounts of gifts. We all are created uniquely. And I think, um, yeah, I'm a millennial. I think my fellow millennial cohorts get a bad rap for, you know, jumping from job to job here and there. And some of that's fair, but a lot of it's not fair. And I think it's because, you know, baby, our baby boomer parents told us that we could be anything we want to be. It's just not true. <laughs> God has designed each of us uh, uniquely, right? We are, we are each unique people. We each have different gifts. Uh, and, you know, as first Peter makes clear, it is all of its responsibility uh, to leverage those gifts in a way that is honoring to him, uh, in a way that is uh, in, in service to others, right? I, 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 probably, um, I probably wrote this sentence way too many times and called the grave, but it, I think it's the theme of the book that I really wanted to come through. You know, our work, we talk a lot about calling. We love to talk about calling and vocation. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I think a lot of times we forget that our work can only be a calling if somebody calls us to it and we work for their agenda rather than our own. 
right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if, if God has called us to our work, if God has called us to create, what is his agenda? His agenda is the glorification of himself in service to others. Work is not primarily about our happiness. Work is not about accumulating fame and fortune for ourselves. Work is service, right? Um, and, you know, kind of the big idea that, uh, you know, I'm exploring for my next project is if we accept that, then as Christians, we ought to be in a continual process of discerning what is the thing that God has designed me to do uniquely and exceptionally well. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing we should really sink our teeth into, right? That is our calling, right? And so our calling is just another word for figuring out how God has designed us and and, and, and having the courage and the strength and uh, you know, the discipline uh, to focus on that thing, focus on that one thing that God has put us on earth to do, uh, not for our own glorification, but for the service of those around us. You know, one of the things I loved about your book, you, you highlighted um, a comment that Chick-fil-A made that, that hiring young workers in the 16 to 21, 22 age range is a phenomenal way to disciple them uh, in the sense of what's, you know, biblically disciple them, but do it in a working, in a work setting. I mean, I was like, boy, they just, I mean, that is... That was awesome to learn. They yeah. even thought they, that way. They get it. Yeah, and, and yeah, they, they get it. I think I think I think Trent, I think Trent Tappy himself is the one one who uttered that. And what what I love about it is I think Trent understood that discipleship. I I, I think a lot of times in the church we think of discipleship as what happened post conversion, right? So you pray a prayer, you go down to the bottom of the aisle at church, and then you are ushered into a discipleship program, right? But how Jesus thought about discipleship, right? Jesus started discipling his disciples for three years plus uh, from the moment that we, we would say that they had a conversion experience. And I think Trent Hatton thought about it uh, much in the same way. And I think a lot of Chick-fil-A operators, especially those who are, you know, the, the, the ones who are believers in Jesus Christ, think about it the same way too. I, I have a buddy who's a Chick-fil-A operator who talks about discipleship in the context of yeah, teaching kids, teaching teenagers, um, you know, how to be good workers, how to be good employees, right? And they're just teaching them truths about life, about vocation. Uh, and, yes, ultimately, uh, speaking the gospel with words, right? Speaking the gospel in actions and in words. So, yeah, I, I think True Kathy really, really understood that at a deep level. Yeah, to me, that, that part of that verse says, being a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms, here is one of the forms Helping young people yeah. figure out how to be good employees, how to deal with money, how to do, uh, people treat people with respect. Are you? Are they not extending a grace from God to these kids to say it's my pleasure every time they say thank you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think a lot of times, you know, we we think, okay, that's great, but if they're not ultimately uh, converting people to Christianity, then that's all for naught. And it's just not true, right? I mean, yeah, you know, love your neighbor as yourself is a complete sentence in Scripture, right? You just pull it on with anything else. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself, period, right? That, that is good. Saying my pleasure is good and God-honoring in and of itself. Now, of course we want to speak the gospel to people. Of course, you know, and loving others ultimately pours out into uh, 
sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, love your neighbor as yourself and simply saying my pleasure is God honor in and of itself. Yeah. So, um, so I want to uh, uh, have you recount a story that was in the book about C.S. Lewis and when he was asked about how he created Narnia, uh, the, that, mm. that book series. Uh, can you recount that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I, yeah, I, lo- I love the story of C.S. Lewis. Actually, I was just talking to uh, C.S. Lewis's stepson, Douglas Gresham. Uh, about something related to this to this story, right? Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. But basically, um, one of Lewis's fans wrote a letter to C.S. Lewis and said, "Hey, like, did you always have this, you know, picture of Christianity in your head when you sat down to write Narnia?" And he basically said, "No, like, I, I sat down to write a great children's book." And eventually, it was you know, initially it was one book. He didn't have the vision for the seven-part series when they did those. He just wanted to write a great children's book. He grew up reading great children's books. He wanted to write one himself, uh, but as he started writing, uh, somewhere along the way, so initially it started with the picture of the fawn, which became Mr. Thomas, as we know, as so a fawn carrying an umbrella, and he said, huh, I should write a story about that. So he started writing, and then eventually, I think the exact quote was, uh, Aslan came bounding into the picture, right, uh, and sort of took over and pulled, a, pulled the whole story together. Uh, and, you know, I, and, and then once Adeline came into it, obviously it became, you know, largely allegorical. It's a story of the gospel, right? The story of, of, of us as humans and our relationship to God and the work that Christ has done on our behalf. But it didn't start like that. He just started by focusing on writing a really exceptionally good story, right? But, you know, I, I would submit, and uh, I think Stepson would agree with me, we were, we were talking about this just a couple weeks ago, that, um, you know, it is because C.S. Lewis uh, was was a deeply devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It was because Christ was dwelling richly in C.S. Lewis that Aslan just had to come out. It was an outpouring of what was in Jack's heart uh, as a man, right? Uh, that, that, that Christ just came pouring through his, his fingers as he wrote the story. It just, it just became this wonderful allegory that Christians and non-Christians can appreciate. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, Jack's stepson, uh, Doug, and I were talking about this in the context of Christian film and Christian books. Uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, C.S. Lewis's stepson, Douglas Gresham, is actually one of the producers of the most recent Narnia films with Disney. He's currently working on The Silver Chair, um, and they're, they're working on a movie right now. And Doug and I were talking about you know, the importance of just creating great products, just creating great films, exceptionally good films, whether or not they explicitly mention the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and he said, you know, Jack used to talk a lot about, you know, we don't need more Christian books. We need more Christians writing great books. And Doug, Doug applies that to his own work as a film. It's like, you know, yes, I'm a Christian, right? But, uh, you know, we need more Christians making a excellent winsome films that are winsome to Christians and non-Christians alike, not more Christians just making uh, films for Christians by Christians that will only ever be seen by Christians. There's, and, you know, there's, a, there's a place for those films, and lots of people are going to continue to go see those films. But if we want to be salt and light, if we want to be winsome uh, to a lost world on behalf of Jesus Christ, we got to first focus on just creating really amazing films and amazing books and amazing businesses. 
that people are attracted to. Yeah, I, I interviewed uh, a guy named Justin Camp. He's the guy behind the Wire devotional for men. And, and yeah. Okay. And and he said something that has so resonated with me. In fact, I've repeated it on a couple podcasts where he says. When you get that moment where you say, where did that come from? Hmm. And, and it just strikes people. It's like, where did that come from? Uh, that's a thumbprint of God. Yeah. Uh, and, and be it a business, an artwork, a project, films, books, you name it. It's sort of like, huh. And the thing that I really deeply appreciated about that storyline was the concept of was this an outside in? You had a theology, let's apply an allegory or let's apply some, you know, some storyline to it to kind of make it more palatable. Is that kind of how you wrote the book? And C.S. Lewis said, no, I've always had this image as a kid of this fawn with the umbrella next to a lampstand. That was a seed. That was a seed that God planted in his life as a teenager yeah. that grew fruition in his 40s, 50s, or whenever he wrote it. That, and so when that came on and said, where did this come from? That was a, a seed. And the thing that you were able to articulate so well is that that's how God does things. He plants a seed. Yeah. It's, it's not this complicated, theologically heavy thing. It's this right. curious, like, huh, <laughs> more like that. Yeah. It's the genesis yeah. of a lot of great things. So, so I, and I'll just go on to say this. So when I read that, there has, in my own life, there's been a couple seeds that God has planted in my life. And I'm sitting in the middle seat in coach between two big people reading your book, weeping. Literally weeping. I, tears are rolling down my face. Because when I read that, the Lord was saying, see... I've given you seeds too, long ago, things that you don't understand, things you're like, why is this important to me? Why is this interesting to me? Why does this create so much emotion or or tie to this? And the Lord was starting to, in that middle seat between these two guys, starting to (laughs) reveal to me things that that he was asking me to take the next faith, faith steps on. And, and so many creatives, entrepreneurs, artists, whatever, they don't, they can't interpret, they don't have people that says, yeah, that's the hand of God. I read your book. It was able to say, yeah, that's God. That little seed that you don't understand, that, that very well could be God calling you into something that's, that's great. Mm. Does that make that's sense? A, that's an amazing story. I appreciate you hearing that. That's incredible. Yeah, it, it was. It was an incredible experience, except for being in the middle seat. Besides that, it was... In- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's, I, I tomorrow on my flight. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be right there with you. So, um, so uh, one other thing I, I kind of want to land with our conversation is about what you've been privy to see. So you've kind of done your own entrepreneurial efforts and several times over you've gotten this book, you've done many other things. How have you seen Called to Create impact other people's lives and things that they've gone on to do? Do you have stories in that space? Oh man, I have so many stories. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so... It's, it's so funny. I, I get a lot of emails every day uh, from from people who have read the book or read one of my devotional emails, and they always start by saying, you know, almost apologizing for contacting me. I'm like, oh my goodness, I, that nothing makes me happier 
than people telling me that the Lord is using my words uh, to impact our lives. I, I love it. And if you've got a story about how the book has impacted you, please shoot me an email, jordan at jordanrainer.com. Very easy to find me. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of stories. I've heard lots of stories. Um, I, I, really, I, really, I really have a soft spot in my heart for uh, working moms, so moms who are um, you know, raising kids and feeling the guilt of working outside of the home. I, 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 I really resonate with the stories. I've heard lots of women resonating with the stories of uh, Crystal Witten and a few others in the book um, that, that, yeah, that are really living into their calling as others uh, and as professionals. So I, I love those stories. Uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard some wild stories. I've heard a story of a, a guy who was planning a church in, uh, I believe it was Colorado. And, you know, things, uh, it, it didn't seem like things were going great with the church. And at the same time, they picked up my book. And had always had a vision of starting up uh, a business uh, back home in Virginia. Uh, so we moved back home, started the business. It was actually a brewery that he and his brothers and his dad started uh, together in Virginia. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a very interesting story. Again, you know, I don't know if that's the right call for everybody, uh, but I, 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 I think I think it's a really interesting story. Uh, I've heard stories of people sharing this book overseas. Uh, with uh, there was one person who was, he was talking about that he gave this book out to a number of young people uh, in China, um, you know, but he, he, was, he was able to do that. It wasn't, uh, he was able to do it in the context of teaching entrepreneurship, not, not explicitly about faith, although right. once you crack open the books, you very quickly hear the name of Jesus. So I, 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 I've heard so many stories. One guy emailed me, uh, the book inspired him to open up a Narnia coffee shop in uh, Australia. He just sent me pictures of it last week. It's incredible. Uh, I, I forget the name of the coffee shop, but it's amazing. I can't wait to visit it one day. Uh, so, so many stories of people uh, starting up amazing ventures. Um, y'all, I'll, I'll end with one guy who I, 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 I'm excited about what this guy's doing. Uh, so, you know, he, he was running this venture prior to, to reading called The Creative. Uh, but I was honored to hear that, you know, Call the Great has played a part in his faith journey. Uh, his name is Brett Hagler, uh, and he's running a nonprofit called News Story out of California. Uh, Google them, you'll find uh, tons and tons and tons of articles about these guys. They're basically trying to be the charity model for homelessness, to end homelessness. Wow. Uh, and they have figured out how to, uh, one, build houses for less than $6,000. They built about 200 of them uh, for the homeless overseas. And most recently, their most recent innovation has been 3D printing homes. They have 3D printed the first home to receive a certificate of occupancy in less than 24 hours and less than $4,000. Oh, my it's gosh. incredible. Uh, it's incredible. These guys have massive, massive vision, and they are absolute A players. Uh, the team is incredible. They're some of the most elite people I've ever seen working in a venture. Uh, and Brett was kind enough to, to reach out. Let me know that called it great and played a role in his life. And so there's, there's just, God is doing amazing, amazing things through the church and through inspiring a generation of Christians to not shy away from their entrepreneurial tendencies, but to embrace them as a powerful means of revealing his character and loving and serving the world. Man, that is 
Those are awesome. Thank you, Jordan. Those, those are great stories. So if people want to follow up with you, where, where should they go? Yeah, go to jordanlander.com uh, to learn a little bit more about me, about the book. Uh, you can also obviously find the book wherever books are sold. Uh, most people, that's on Amazon, that's on all my books. Uh, but it's also in Barnes & Noble uh, across the country, uh, Books A Million, uh, all those different retailers, Lifeway, et cetera. Uh, yeah, pick up a copy of the book, and please connect with me. Uh, you can contact me on jordanrainer.com. I always love hearing the stories of people and what they're doing and how they're you know, fulfilling the call to create. That's so good. So, uh, listeners, listen, I have never paid my kids to read a book. <laughs> Except for Called to Create. That should be good enough reason for you to go get the book. God wants to use you to extend his kingdom all around the world in such creative, amazing, out-of-the-box ways. Pick up this book as a part of that puzzle in your life. Thank you, Jordan, for jumping on. It was super fun. Absolutely. A lot of fun. Thanks, Troy. Hey, if you like the podcast and you want to show us some love, we're on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. Uh, go follow us there, and I put some cool stuff in the Insta stories, and uh, it would be cool to interact with you there. So just a reminder, follow us on Instagram, and be awesome. If you've been encouraged and inspired by the show and you would like to know what else we've got going on, go to thekindlingfire.com. There you can join the fire starters which is a facebook messenger community i let know first anytime i do anything you can also get a book there called you can certainly do it that i've written to really encourage you to take your first steps to really start the small fire that god's starting in your life uh, in addition to that you can sign up for the seven day bible devotional become a sign and wonder and as always be awesome